so I want to honor Pastor Clive and Sharon. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for your faithfulness to uh, destroy the works of the devil in the city of Perth. And uh, can we just honor your leadership here and say thank you. I appreciate you guys. And uh, I had to take the long way around to get here this time. I had to go to Tasmania for 15 days just so I could get to Perth without quarantining. And so we made it, which is good. Is this being streamed online before I say anything too naughty? Okay, maybe I'll, maybe I'll refrain from some jokes I was about to make. So anyway, I, well, now, now I told you it was a joke, so it won't work. I was gonna tell you that my wife and kids are here with me, but they're back at the hotel having a few symptoms like loss of smell and coughing. And, but that was gonna be a joke and like, making sure there's no government officials here as well, anybody? All right, we good, we good. Hey, it's so good to be here. I wanna come and I don't wanna waste any more time uh, getting into the Word. We are moving to America. Uh, hopefully next week is the plan. Um, and so strangely enough, I had to apply for exemption to leave my own country. That was fun. And uh, imagine that. And, uh, sorry. I wanna preach tonight on the subject called active Christianity. I don't believe we're supposed to be passive. I don't think we're supposed to sit back. I don't believe we're meant to be a stay and pray kind of people. I believe we're a go and preach kind of people that sometimes need to pull away and pray, but then continue to go. But I don't wanna be a stay and pray kind of person. I believe we're supposed to be active in our faith. I believe that we are living in a culture that is getting darker by the minute. I believe we're living in a world, a secular world, where the spirit of, you know, I, I believe that the, the spirit of the world is masquerading as radical liberalism, and it's slithering around offering the people of God a bite of the fruit, and sadly, many Christians are taking a bite. And, I, and I, I, if you don't know what that means, that means that there's a spirit of the world, there's a way that seems right to a man, and its end is destruction. And we're living in a culture, in a world that is getting darker by the minute, but it's important to remember that Isaiah tells us that though deep darkness may cover the earth, I will arise over you, says the Lord. He says, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. You know, I believe this. I believe that the Achilles heel of the modern day church is our insatiable desire to be loved and accepted by the world. I'll say that again, our, the Achilles heel of the modern day church is our insatiable desire to be loved and accepted by the world. Insatiable is a, is a thing that's it's unsatisfiable. And with the church, the modern, generally speaking, the modern day church has found ourselves in a place where we think we're supposed to impress the world. Where we think we're supposed to, uh, you know, make the message of the gospel more palatable. And in doing so, we give people a lukewarm, watered-down version of the truth of the gospel to trick them into our buildings. And then when they get here, they get offended because they weren't told the whole truth anyway. I don't want to compromise my convictions to make it more palatable for the world. You see, our job is not to be loved by the world. In fact, the Bible tells us, woe to those who are loved by all men. We're not called to be loved by the world. We're called to love the world by laying down our lives, by laying down our agenda, by laying down our need for them to love us so we can truly love them that they might meet the one who can change their souls. 
We, we, I don't want to live in a culture that's just trying to fit in and trying to please everybody because did you know, let me tell you this, this, this amazing truth. People who don't believe in Jesus, meaning the world, don't believe the Bible. We can't expect them to like the things that we believe according to the Word of God. And let me, let me tell you this. If you're a Christian, there are things in the Bible that you might not understand or you might think are a little bit crazy, but just because we don't like them doesn't make them not true. Our job is not to correct Scripture. Our job is to let Scripture correct us. We, have, we, we, we live in a world that's going crazy, and the Word of God is a light to our path, and it's a lamp to our feet, and we are called to be active. We don't want to sit back and let, you know, we, we can't afford to bury our head in the sand at this point of time. We're being forced to draw a line in the sand, and I think it's exciting because we're getting rid of the gray, and we're getting back to the red, which is the blood of Jesus Christ that was poured out for the salvation of mankind. You see, we're not called to preach a gospel of cultural reformation. We're called to preach, preach the gospel of salvation and the arrival of the kingdom of God in the Savior Jesus. You see, we, we, we want cultural reformation, but the, let me say this. We preach, we want revival. We want mass salvation. Because in mass salvation, we have mass repentance where people turn their hearts back to the Father, back to Jesus Christ. And the result of mass salvation will inevitably be cultural reformation. But we've got to be careful. We're not here to, 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 to reform culture. We're here to get people saved, born again into the kingdom of God, out of the kingdom of darkness and into the light. So we need to be active. We can't sit back anymore. Australia needs a move of God. The world needs a move of God. Darkness is slithering into all sorts of places and there's only a few left who are willing to stand their ground in the face of persecution, to stand their ground in the face of being called a bigot, to stand their ground in the face of being called naive. And, and, and We have to have courage, amen? The righteous are as bold as a lion. There's a reason, because we have God on our side. We serve the living God. God will not be mocked. And I love this church because you are an active church. I see you from a distance on social media. You preach the gospel. You go into the dark corners. You go to the places where nobody will go. You have leaders that as we drive down the main strip in Scarborough, looking at all the people in the clubs, go, man, we need to get down here and preach the gospel. Rather than leaders who go, man, we need to get down here and drink with these people. Because <laughs> there are a few of those around. So tonight I want to go through four actions of advancement. If I haven't already upset everybody. Okay, good, we're making people happy. I wanna go through four actions of advancement for the gospel tonight, amen? Are we okay with that? And then we'll see what happens afterwards. If you have your Bible, you can open it to the book of Matthew chapter 16, verse 17. Matthew chapter 16, verse 17. I'm reading out of the New King James Version because I was told the version I was gonna read out of was a heretic's Bible, so I changed it. Matthew chapter 16, verse 17, this is what it says. Jesus answered him and said, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, 
For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. This is the moment where Jesus said to Peter, or then called Simon, he said, who do you say that I am? And he responded and says, you are Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says to Peter, this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father who is in heaven. Verse 18, he says, and I say to you, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I want to quickly tell you this tonight. Peter, was, it was revealed to him by by the Father in heaven, and he said, you are Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus responds and says, I will call you Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I firstly need to clarify that Peter is not the rock in which Christ is gonna build his church. Christ is not building his church on a person. Christ is gonna build his church on the revelation that he is the son of God, the savior of the world, who was poured out for the remission of sins of men. The revelation, the cornerstone of our faith is that Jesus is the son of God. And that is the rock, that is the firm foundation that Christ is gonna build his church on and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. You know, the book of Acts Chapter one, verse eight says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The word power speaks of dynamite, dunamis. It's an explosive, miraculous power. You shall receive miraculous power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, but the Bible tells us it comes upon you for a purpose. That purpose is not just so you can have some tingles in a great worship set. That purpose is not that just so you can fall over on the ground when someone prays for you. That purpose is not that you would just speak in other tongues. In fact, the Bible says that you shall receive power for a purpose, and that purpose is to be a witness of Jesus in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You receive this Holy Spirit and miraculous power for a purpose to be a witness of the rock of salvation, Jesus Christ. Does anybody believe that tonight here? We are called to advance the gospel. So actions of advancement, number one is this, proclamation. Proclamation, preach the gospel. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus says to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. To every creature, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. The word proclamation means to publicly herald. It means to open your mouth. It doesn't mean to just uh, be a Christian. It doesn't mean just have somebody know that you're a Christian. You know, I, I like to quote this thing all the time. It's St. Francis of Assisi. He says, preach the gospel at all times using words when necessary which I love, it speaks of, do you live a life that represents the God that you say that you serve? However, our commissioning is to proclaim, which is to open your mouth and publicly herald, to tell somebody 
the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news of Jesus Christ speaks of Jesus coming to save sinful humanity from their sin. It speaks essentially of the arrival of God's kingdom in the person of Jesus that those who are dead in their sin might be made alive in Christ. This is the gospel that we are all commissioned to publicly herald. We might not all preach it from a pulpit. We might not all preach it on Facebook. We might not all preach it on Instagram stories, but we are all called to publicly open our mouths and tell people about the saving power of Jesus Christ. How will they hear if we don't preach? We're all called to be these people. You know somebody who needs Jesus and you have a mouth and you have a testimony. So we are all called, we all have the responsibility to be a people that publicly announce the good news of Jesus Christ, amen? The thing about the good news is that the thing that makes it good is that there's bad news. And this is the stuff we don't like to talk about a lot these days because it's not always well received. But the truth of the matter is, Mark 16 says, preach the gospel to all creation and whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. You see, the reason that we desire joy in life is because we know what it's like to feel sorrow. The reason we desire peace is because we know what it's like to feel chaos, fear. The reason we desire to travel is because we're not allowed to. The Bible tells us in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, The world speaks of the totality of fallen humanity, past, present, and future. God so loved the totality of fallen humanity, past, present, and future, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever, which speaks of anybody, red, yellow, black, and white, rich, poor, weak, strong, famous, forgotten, it is an indiscriminate people, that whoever believes... Believe says puts complete trust and reliance upon. It doesn't just mean that you believe that Jesus is real. The Bible tells that even the demons believe that he's real. But whoever puts complete trust and reliance upon the name of Jesus will not perish but have everlasting life. But if the good news is that those who believe will not perish and have everlasting life, then the bad news is that those who don't believe will perish and have everlasting life death. It goes on to say, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that in order through him the world might be saved. It says that those who don't believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only begotten son. I'm trying to tell us today this, that we don't serve an angry God in heaven who sent Jesus to send people to hell. God didn't send Jesus to condemn the condemned. The Bible tells that those who don't believe are already condemned. So we serve a loving God in heaven who sent Jesus to give people a way out. It is His grace. It is His mercy. It is His 
love. But the reality is the truth of the gospel that we are called to publicly proclaim is that without Jesus, there is death, destruction, and torment. But the good news carries weight. You see, the depths of grace is only truly realized when you understand the weight of sin, the responsibility of sin. Sin leads to death. But Christ came and died for whosoever would believe. And this is the message that we are called to publicly proclaim. Not just come to Jesus and you'll get a new car. Not just come to Jesus and you'll have a blessed life. There are blessings in following Christ. That's part of the benefits of being a child of the living God. But the gospel is straight down the line. Win the lost at any cost. The second actions of advancement today is this multiplication. We are called to multiply. We do not believe in a stagnant, backwards going, whittling away church. We believe in a church that is moving forward. We believe in a church that is growing. We believe in a church that is multiplying. We believe in a little word called discipleship. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. We are called to make disciples. And sometimes people get overwhelmed with like, well, how do I make a disciple? What is a disciple? Jesus lays it out for us right here plain and simple, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them everything that I have taught you. To make disciples is to teach somebody everything that God has taught you. And if there's not learning anything, then you need to pay more attention on Sunday mornings. If you don't have something to teach somebody else about Jesus, it's you need to pay attention in small group. You need to be a person. We are all called to make disciples. I have friends who have a church over in Asia in the Philippines. When we met them, it was a church of around 40,000 people. To these days, it's a church up into the hundreds of thousands of people. And they've built it on discipleship. And they have this statement. They say, discipleship is relationship which is brilliant, it simplifies it. But I wanna clarify this statement. Discipleship is best done in relationship, but relationship is not discipleship. Discipleship is intentional life transformation. It doesn't happen by accident. You need to be a person who's intentionally pouring your life into somebody else. And if you have the capacity into a multiple somebody else's, teaching them everything that God has taught you. And if you have coffee tomorrow with someone you're supposed to be discipling and you don't know what to tell them, go and learn something tonight so you can teach them something that God has taught you. It's called discipleship and it's how we multiply and grow a church. You see, church growth starts with evangelism, but it's sustained through discipleship. Because God's not just looking for a powerful meeting. He's looking for a powerful movement. Because meetings are momentary, but a movement can be revolutionary. 
We don't want just people putting their hands up in an emotional meeting and tomorrow going back to the hellish life they were living. We need people to raise their hand up and say, I want to follow Jesus. And then they need someone just like you to grab them by the hand, grab them by the shoulder and teach them everything that God has taught you. Get them baptized into the family of God. Get them in the newcomer's course so they understand what it looks like to be a part of the living hope. It's called the church of Jesus Christ. Christ, we are a force to be reckoned with. Number one, proclamation. You and I are called to preach the gospel. Number two, multiplication. You and I are called to make disciples. We don't have to overcomplicate it. Teach somebody something that God has taught you. Amen? Number three is this, demonstration. Demonstration, Mark, uh, sorry, Matthew chapter 10, verses 7, it says this As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 8 Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, so freely give. Can I tell you, part of being a kingdom advancing believer is recognizing that we are called to demonstrate this kingdom that is at hand. We are commissioned to lay our hands on the sick and see them recovered. That's the responsibility of believers. If there's someone sick among you, put your hands on them and command their bodies to be healed. But what if it doesn't work? Then do it again. And then what if it doesn't work that time? Then do it again, and then do it again. I don't just pray for the sick to get a testimony. I pray for the sick because I'm commissioned by my Lord Jesus Christ to lay my hands on the sick, and He says they shall recover. So I will not submit to my failures. I'll submit to the Word of God and let the Word of God transform my experience. You know, you're called and commissioned to drive out demons. Demons are filthy little devils who attach themselves to people's lives or in some cases find homes within them. And we are called to drive them out. We, we are called, anyone ever seen a demon? Some people. Anyone ever seen a demon cast out of somebody? Okay, maybe we can try. Everyone just look at me, I'm gonna see if anyone has one. And we'll just quickly, show. no one's looking at me, Dave, why not? But we're called, we're commissioned. These, these things are real. You'll be, you know, in the West, we don't like to talk about this stuff. It doesn't change the reality of it. It doesn't change the truth that in many, many churches around the world, we go and we see people raising their hands in worship and at the altar at the end, the demon's coming out of them. Because if we don't address, if we don't recognize we have authority over all the powers of the enemy, then demons will sit in our churches, pay their little tithe and walk out living like hell because we don't realize that we are commissioned by God to drive out demon forces. Amen. You know, when John the Baptist was in prison, he was locked up. You know John the Baptist, he had the dreadlocks, camel's hair, eating locusts and honey. Sounds like the modern day vegans, isn't he? John the Baptist was in prison, about to have his head chopped off. And he sent his disciples. He was like, man, I need to know if this guy, Jesus, who's come, if he's the one. And he sent his disciples to go see Jesus. And his disciples went to Jesus and he said, Jesus, John has sent us to ask, are you the one? 
Are you the coming Messiah? And this is how Jesus decided to tell John the, the reality of who he was. He said, go and tell John the gospel's being preached, the sick are being healed, the lame are walking, demons are being driven out. Jesus said, go tell John, it's me. He'll know it's me because these are the things that I'm happening. Can I tell you, we are called to demonstrate the kingdom of God here on earth. When there's someone possessed by a demon, they don't need us to be relevant. They need us to be radical. Relevance will pat that thing on the back. Powerful and radical will say, in the name of Jesus Christ, get out of that person. And we'll watch a dead man come to life. We'll watch a lame man begin to walk. We'll watch a depressed person find freedom. We'll watch an anxious person find peace. Because you've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. There's a scripture that talks about these guys who tried to cast some demons out of these little guys and these guys didn't understand who they were and the demons said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? Can I tell you, we don't wanna be the who are you category. I wanna be known as Jesus I know, Paul I know, David I know, and Joel I know. I'm out of here. I wanna walk, I'm telling you, if you've been to Africa, you know this stuff's real. If you've been to Australia, you should know this stuff's real. If you go to America, Lord help me, it's really, really real. There's an army full of demons over there. They called, no, I won't say that. I wasn't gonna say Democrats, I promise. We're called to demonstrate the kingdom of God. Sickness is to the body what sin is to the soul. And both were paid for by the blood of Jesus, amen. Maybe the worship team want to join me. The last, well, there's two more. We'll see how we go for time. The next one, action of advancement is this. <clears throat> Domination. <laughs> I knew David was going to like that one. I'll go back to the passage we read in the beginning. Matthew chapter 16, verse 16. Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And if I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I believe that Jesus, according to Scripture, has been building his church for 2,000 years. But I don't just believe he wants to build it numerically, although I do think he wants to build it numerically. Because what we don't need is a big, tall, thin tower of one, two, three, four, with no foundation that's wobbling and it gets happy. We've got a big list of numbers and it's flopping all over the place and can't do any good for anyone. I believe he's building his church numerically, but I believe he's building his church foundationally. I believe he's building his church in courage. I believe he's building his church in revelation. He's building his church in power. He's building his church in authority. He's building his church in the scriptures that we would be a force to be reckoned with. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And for a long time, I've always loved this scripture because I, I, I feel, you know, sometimes the warrior inside of you just wants to get out. And I've loved, but I had this picture, right? 
that we are the church of Jesus Christ and the world can say what they want about us. The world can think what they want about us, but we're gonna stand firm, you know, we're gonna stand strong. We are the church and they can bring the hordes of hell our way all they want, but we're gonna keep fighting, we're gonna keep standing and it feels good and it excites me, but you know, have you ever watched Lord of the Rings? If you haven't, you must repent, go home, put on the trilogy. But there's this scene in the, in the second movie where they're, high, they're, in these, they're in this tower, these gates, the, the good guys and the orcs, the demons of the book are crashing in against the walls and they're sending horde after horde and they're there just doing their best. Hopefully they're gonna survive. Fighting, fighting, fighting. That's the kind of picture I have until I feel like over the last 24 months, God rearranged my thinking. And he said, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. And I started to think a little bit different. If it's the gates of hell that won't prevail against the church, well, who's behind a gate? You see, if this is the gate and hell is here and it's their gate and we are the church of Jesus Christ, we're not the ones on the last stand hiding behind the gate hoping the hordes of hell won't win. We are forcibly advancing the kingdom of God. We are called for such a time as this. Can I tell you, we are not on the back foot. We are not afraid. The gates of hell fear the church of Jesus Christ who is baptized in fire, endued with power. And the gates of hell will not prevail against us. The book of Joshua says, where the soles of our feet tread, He has given us this land. Every street corner that a gospel-believing person stands on, we're taking territory. Every university you stand up for the truth of the gospel in, you're taking territory. At Levers, at Schoolies for Jesus, you're taking territory. In the government, we need to take territory. We are not the cowards. We are not the ones who are wrong. But if God be for us, who could stand against us? I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to them who believe. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. How will they hear if you don't preach? How will the sick be healed if you don't pray? How will the demons be driven out if you don't drive them out? We are called for such a time as this. Our world is going crazy. We are living in midst one of the most outrageous times in all of human history. But we have to look at the problem and find the opportunity. We look at the restrictions, we find opportunity. I couldn't get to Perth, so I found an opportunity. I went down to Tasmania where they got two heads just to get to Perth. I found an opportunity. What's the opportunity when a nation is falling into depression? It's the joy of the Lord. What's the opportunity when a nation is ruled by fear? It's the peace of God that surpasses understanding. 
What's the opportunity when a virus takes over the world? It's the power of God to heal the sick, raise the dead, drive out demons, let the lame be walking, let the lepers be cleansed. What's the opportunity in a world ruled by sin? His name is Jesus. And He lives in you. And it's your commissioning. And it's your responsibility. If God wanted to do it all on His own, He'd do it all on His own. But He chose you. He chose the church baptized in fire, endued with power to be a witness. What's the opportunity for a drug addicted person? It's the power of the gospel to break the addiction. What's the opportunity in universities who wanna silence the things that you can say? It's the preaching of the gospel. But what if they persecute me? Blessed are those who are persecuted for His name's sake. What if they kick me out? Go to another one. Preach in that one. We think we've got it hard. Guys, the apostles, they were there preaching. They were arrested. They were whipped. They were beaten. And they were commanded and, and mandated by the government not to preach in the name of Jesus. They sit outrightly. You decide whether it's right. But I, for one, can't help but speak and sing what I've heard. And they walked away and they gathered together and they began to pray for courage. They began to pray for boldness and they began to ask the Lord to stretch out His hand to heal. And it says the Holy Spirit came upon them that day and they went out into the earth and they preached the gospel. The fruit of their courage is us sitting here 2,000 years on. If they had given in, we wouldn't sit here and Christianity would have been dead. But greater is He that lives in me than he who is in the world. Do you believe it? We live in sobering times, whether we like it or not. I found myself over this year saying, God, I don't want to live like this. I don't want to live in this world. And then he spoke to me again through the Lord of the Rings, the great Gandalf, said, so do most people who live to see such times. But that's not up to us to decide. What is up for us to decide is what we're going to do with the times that we're living in. This church, I remember years ago, us with Pastor Clive, he drove me here when this is a patch of dirt. And he said, we're going to have a church here. I've come back years later and I'm looking at a church. That's advancement. Every building that we buy is advancement. Every seat that is filled is advancement. This place is not built to have a happy, clappy church party. This place is built to be a center of revival that transforms the nation and the Eastern Asian suburbs. I mean, countries, can I tell you, you are called for such a time as this. If you believe it, why don't you stand your feet in this place?